to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. Today, I've got with me an art therapist, Roxy Taylor. Roxy's done a lot of art therapy over the years, and I think it's really important for people to understand what art therapists do and what role they play in the lives of older adults in residential care. Welcome, Roxy. Thank you, Julie. Lovely to be here. Now, Roxy, how long have you worked as an art therapist? I've been working as an art therapist since 2012 uh, when I began um, working as an art therapist and came into an aged care facility. I'd never been in an aged care facility before. I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know how much I was going to fall in love with doing this work with this um, population. So how did you get that first um, gig happening? Well, it was part of my placement from the Masters of Art Therapy at the um, Western Sydney University and we had to do 750 hours and we had to go into a placement. And I was uh, very open to whatever client group I worked with and I was a bit surprised at first. I didn't know how I'd react with um, coming into aged care. And then I found it to be such a rich and experience with um, so much variety, working with people that were relatively cognitive to quite um, advanced levels of dementia, that I became absolutely hooked. <laughs> and uh, that it, it went from there. And then I just gradually got more and more um, work. So can you, that sounds amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more, like what, you know, how do you get started, you know, once you, you know, you, you initially approach the facility and they say, yes, we want art therapy. How does the selection process unfold with selecting who's going to participate in the program? Uh, which residents are going to participate, do you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, as I say, it varies. It's, I've found it to vary. When I, because I work in a different range of places, some some, place, some places I'm on, actually on staff, so I'm a permanent part-time. Other places I go in as a contractor. So it's a very different scenario depending on where I am. When I go in as a new contractor, very often it's just the lifestyle um, therapists or recreational activities officers who will say, oh, this person might be interested, this person might be interested, and somehow the right people come along and they, um, they come, they try it, and it, it develops quite organically. Usually then it might, I, I sense it's even a word of mouth. Other residents might say something 
to um, that they've been doing art and, and if the right resident hears it and picks up on it, then they'll join in too. In some of the other places I go, it's a more... Um, it's a more structured process where we receive referrals from other members of the allied health team or families. Uh, families are a big part of, of um, wishing their um, loved ones to participate in art therapy too because they understand that it's a meaningful activity and that's different to uh, lots of the things that go on within aged care um, lifestyle programs. In what yeah. way is it different to other activities? Well, for me, it's about honouring the individuality and the creative expression of each resident. So it's not a one-size-fits-all ever. I can have a group, there might be seven people um, ranging in different needs, different levels of dementia, but I try to have everybody working on something that is um, important to them, that's appealing to them and working in a different way. So what end up, ends up happening is that the artworks kind of speak for themselves because I facilitate people to achieve what they can achieve with their skills, with their interests and help them um, get to something that they're quite proud of or uh, they're motivated to keep going. So it's, it can look like an ordinary art class, but it's actually a very supported space where um, I try to make it quiet. I might just have soft music. I try to keep it... Uh, one of the big challenges in most aged care facilities is finding and creating a space that works. Because if people have various, um, you know, people quite advanced in their dementia, it's very hard for them to cope with different levels of stimulus. So, we, you know, you don't want to have a whole lot of comings and goings and, and it's very hard often to find the right space. But somehow we push through and we end up getting the best possible space we can within each facility. So mm. it sounds like it's, it's so rewarding for the older people being able to express themselves in a quiet spot, but also for the art therapists as well, seeing their progress and, and oh, yeah. Yes, totally. Yes, it can be, it can be half a dozen uh, people working. Like it's a group sort of dynamic, but they're individually working within that group. So the space is contained it's gentle, it's supportive, um, I'm keeping an eye out all the time in a mindful kind of way as to where if I notice somebody might be stopping or somebody might be puzzled or somebody might not know quite where to put their brush next, then where I'm constantly um, manoeuvring that. And then there'll be other people that are very capable of... Um, Choosing their own, well, I, I try to encourage everybody to choose their own colours. I'll make recommendations. But all of this is about supporting skills that, um, and learning new skills that many of the, many of the older people have had um, some time using paint or drawing or um, sometimes we use other things like clay or collage, but I'm a great painter and drawer, so I tend to focus on that. Other art therapists will work in different ways. Um, but I find that they, um, you know, we're bringing up all sorts of skills that might not have even been 
tried since they were in their 20s, but also all they might have all their life have been involved in painting. And this is something that they can continue to excel in and to get great um, benefit from, even though they might be incontinent, unable to manage their um, daily life activities, um, unable to remember the painting they did last week. I have many residents who, while they're painting, the dementia is not there. That is so amazing. And yeah. so when people initially start out or when they, you know, they inquire about the program, do, do, you, do you often hear things like, you know, oh, I can't paint or I don't know how to paint or that initial resistance? I do. I do get that. And I'll, because they'll tell me they haven't painted since school or some teacher told them they were dreadful. It's amazing how long those memories stay with us. I think we've all got experience with yes. the art teacher that didn't like our artwork. So I try to go with something. I say to them, look, it's a piece of paper. It's just something you can have a go at. We use paint that you can paint over. Uh, nothing's wrong in art. And we try always with something that, that they relate to. It might be simple like a bird painting an image of a flower or a bird or a little animal or something that they love, and then we take it from there. And very often they're so um, blown away by what they've achieved. Yeah, so I will help them to, you know, if they're they're not comfortable with drawing, then we'll get that drawing part done for them and let them start with the fun part of the paint. So it's so different for every person. I, that's, I'm just not a one-size-fits-all and I don't believe in using any kind of childish images. I like them. These are adults with full life experiences, so much wisdom, um, so many things that they've tried in their life. They're not stupid and they're not children and they um, really respond to... Uh, so I always use very, very, very um, sophisticated imagery, honestly, even though it might be simple. I can find simple, sophisticated. I'm not for using um, childish imagery. So I think they relate to that and that kind of gets people started. And I also promote the abstract, which is what often happens when somebody's perseverating in their dementia or can't quite see the lines. And, And it takes me a little while to work out whether there's eyesight issues and um, as well as other dementia issues, you know, where you're spatially, you know, they've got difficulty with spatial relationships and things, or even seeing colour, you know. So, yeah, yeah, but that's okay. We can make things, um, we can tweak things and change it and always be looking at what they can achieve, not what they can't achieve. It is so interesting to hear you talk about the importance of treating um, older adults as adults and not giving them childhood activities or, you know, yeah. downplaying yeah. the importance of art therapy. Do you think that that helps towards the retention and getting clients to come back to session after session? Well, this is what I, this is what I hear over and over again. And as I say, I don't have statistics, but anecdotally, uh, um, today I had a little 93-year-old lady who's never painted until she started with me a year ago. And she said that she felt dizzy this morning, but she, there was no way she wasn't coming to art because that's what she looks forward to each week. It's, it's, it becomes that important that um, 
that level of meat, there's a meaning to making art that is that we've known about as human beings forever. And that continues. And it's kind of part of our essential who our essential nature. And and having said that, I don't say that art therapy is for everybody. I don't actually push it if somebody doesn't. I always make it about the resident's choice. But they seem to become hooked. And once they have experienced the delight of using paint, um, I always have artist quality materials. I keep things in good condition. I don't like, I won't give people crummy brushes or crummy paints that don't perform like an artist's paint will. And I think that experience, it's visceral and it's, it's delightful and they come back and that they say amazing. it all the time. Yeah, and my, um, I have groups where they come, they've asked for more than once a week. So Wow, yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah, so I'm going twice a week and they all say, why can't you be here every day? Oh, wow, that is amazing. And so yeah. what's the response from the management uh, of the facilities? Are they, you know, are they willing to support these activities? When well, again, it's a massive range, Julie, yeah. between um, some facilities where we have an actual creative therapies department to where we have a team based with around all of the arts and we support each other and we have referrals and we have... Um, team um, even intermodal inter, um, um, things go on as well uh, to other centres where I'm seen as entertainment and I'm mm. booked as entertainment mm. uh, and they might book once a fortnight. Now, mm. I'll go and do it these days because I do love the residents but mm. those people are missing the point mm. of what art, those centres miss the point of what art therapy is. Mm. And they often make it on budgetary. Um, I find it interesting because they make it on budgetary um, constraints usually. But if they were really person-centred, really listening to their clients, and I'm speaking from experience, they always say, you, when it's once a fortnight, why you come far too seldom. Yeah. 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 And it, it loses something of continuity. So I find that I have to try and... Um, Energetically, it's quite different. I have to be um, really full of belief and remembering what they've done and, and, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting. But in it, once it's established, it's, it, it's okay, but it's not as ideal as... So I really take my hat off to the centres that go, yes, twice a week or, uh, yes, be on staff, yeah, because they get it. They get it, and that's fairly rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I must disclose one of the reasons I was really interested in um, interviewing an art therapist is because of one of the facilities that I've visited as a psychologist. I've seen a number of clients who've been referred to me for psychological support for anxiety, depression, and adjustment mm -hmm. disorders. A number of them attend art therapy, and I've seen firsthand the benefits it's had to those people and how important it has been about engaging in activities that are not only meaningful but that are focused on their strengths. That's so true, Tom. I, I mean, I could talk forever on people who um, I've had um, people self-harming and um, suicidal ideation have been involved in the art therapy program and that has dissipated. Um, I've got people who are highly, of course, anxiety and depression is huge in aged care. 
and just to spend those few hours with themselves and um, that that all of that they become more calm. I've had people tell me that you you take away the black hole that I'm seeking into. You make me feel, um, and I'm not saying it's me, it's the process, mm. um, but they say you, you help me to, um, you, you, you brought me up out of the, the um, darkness that I was in. You help my, my mind to stop thinking about what I'm doing, what I, my bad thoughts. It's the only time I don't have those thoughts. Um, and it's the, uh, yeah, I just think that it's, the power of that of our creativity and touching in with ourselves and that doesn't go it is so powerful so what happens to all those paintings that they create what's the process once it's all you know well I take care of them like I guard them um you'll see um different um we're going it's different varies from center to center um I always give them to families I always believe they're the they belong to the painter and their family. And when they've passed on, my God, families just love to have the paintings. Um, sometimes it's the last mark they've made. You know, I've had people pass away a few days after the last little painting they've done. They are so um, poignant. Um, there's, I also have, sometimes we have exhibitions. I have a bit of an issue with exhibitions in that I um, some centres like to try and sell them. I mm. highly, I highly protect the work if the family wants them, and I never like to show anything or make it available for sale without the consent of the resident or the artist or the family. And so that um, sometimes the family will give a donation, if it's, and then they get the artwork. Other times we simply just won't exhibit. And yeah. then another um, place I go every year, every year at the end of the year, we have a celebration of all the art across the home and, and something is displayed from everybody. And it's a real special, really special. We have a musical item, we have an opening and um, we have the most beautiful um, afternoon tea and special drinks and, and everybody's um, celebrated. And, again, it's with respect it's always showing them the work first, showing them always frame everything, and it's it's regarded with dignity. That's what I think. That's, mm, yeah. that's so yeah. important. Yeah, because some of the smallest little marks are some of the most um, poignant things that you'll see. Yeah. Mm. So how do the residents share those artworks with the families? Is there a process to that or do they... I mean, I've heard that sometimes those paintings can be made into cards and different... Yes, we can put them in cards. I I always encourage them to put them in their room. So some people will have them all over the walls in their room and um, other people, um, some people who might have a lot, will say, oh, no, you keep them here, but the families, they'll like to bring them and show them the latest thing they're doing. I often email copies of the photos to residents, the families that are living overseas. Yep. Uh, there's all sorts of ways of connecting. And I think it's something, I mean, families are interesting there. Sometimes they're a barrier because they are quite demanding that, that their loved one might participate when their loved one doesn't want to. Uh, they might also find it extremely difficult to 
see the decline that that, that is evident in painting, um, but they also want very much for their loved one to be involved yes. in full activity. So it's sometimes it can be a little bit of a dilemma. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that, that's always on an individual basis. Usually yes. they're, you know, they're very supportive and, uh, yeah. But sometimes residents might just not want to. And I often find if someone has been a great artist in their life, and I'll see their artworks that they've done in their life on the walls of their room. It's too confronting to come mm. and paint when you're um, in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. Mm. That, that might not be the best thing for you. Mm. So, you know, often I might engage with them with, um, say, some art appreciation or just looking at their works or, or other ways. As an art therapist, we have to be, we have to be the creative tool. We have to be the source of creativity to then underpin and support our residents. Have yeah. you, um, Roxy, have you ever been surprised by someone's artistic ability despite their cognitive changes or, you know, physical oh. health setbacks? Every week. Every week. I'm blown away. Truly. Yeah. Um, people can be, um, I, I can have a resident, I had a resident last week in um, a secure unit. Um, he was quite aggressive and um, very resistive in the first time I met him. The second time I met him, I had things ready for him with a large canvas and a little easel and everything that would look like a studio. And he came in and painted an amazing bird that is in strong colours, it's powerful, the staff kept coming by and they couldn't believe it because he's almost nonverbal and when he is verbal, it's pretty aggressive. And here he was painting a bird. And I think it always, and he got so much pleasure. He stayed for an hour and a half concentrating on that um, painting and he fully, fully engaged. I think that's, that I see that every week. I, I see people who are, you know, not in charge of their continents and can come in and look at an image and without any input from me other than maybe a few, you know, asking them what colours, then recreate that image or some interpretation of it. I always say it's not about recreating that one. This is your starting point and away they go and it blows your mind. And the paintings, it's it's a shame that this isn't visual because the paintings speak for themselves. Mm. Yeah. And everybody's nature comes out in the artwork in the group as well. So we've got we've got the person that's kind of brave and um, emotional and big brush strokes. We've got the patient um, that will um, just work through work through layers consistently and achieve, you know, by modulating the colours and blending and working patiently and taking many weeks to complete something um we'll have the in between we'll have the person that's never actually painted before but looked at a lot of art so i've got someone who loves monet he's never painted in his life but he has studied monet and when he came to do it himself he understood what monet did 
and he was able to work in a very similar style and achieve really beautiful little paintings wow, that gave him a great deal of pleasure. That is so inspirational. Yeah, it's amazing. For every you must have a different story. Yeah. You must have so many surprises in your everyday interaction with these clients that even the, the ones that you've known for a long time perhaps as well. It's true, Julie. That's why I love it. Yeah. That's true. Thank you so much, Roxy, for your time. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I'll share your email address. Yes, that's fine. Yes, arttherapywithroxy at gmail.com. Yep. No problem. Lovely. Thanks again, Roxy, for your time. Thanks, Julie. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, you can find my free guide full of practical tips on supporting older people with cognitive impairment. Let's face it, sometimes it's the impaired memory aspect of supporting the aged that feels the most challenging. And I want to give you practical strategies to deal with this. Go to wisekit.com.au for your free copy of this amazing resource. See you in the next episode.